My name is Jonathan Blackwood. Welcome to my Tech Decisions Podcast. Today's guest is Brian Payne, project management professional. In Brian's second appearance on My Tech Decisions podcast, we discuss the project management lifecycle as it pertains to return on investment or ROI. We talk about how to determine ROI before the project even begins, how to track ROI as the project proceeds, and how to justify ROI once the project is completed. Anyone interested in learning more about how to determine ROI and use that information should give this episode a listen. Enjoy. Before we get to the interview, a quick reminder that My Tech Decisions podcast is now available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Make sure to subscribe in order to instantly download the latest interviews with expert AV integrators, IT providers, security installers, technology manufacturers, and commercial technology decision makers like yourself. If you like what you hear, you can leave a comment and rate the podcast as well. Search for My Tech Decisions Podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe. Now let's get to the interview. Welcome to My Tech Decisions Podcast. Today's guest is returning, Brian Payne, project management professional. Professional Brian, thank you for coming on and joining us once again. Hey, great to be here again, Jonathan. Oh, it's great to have you. And last time we talked about the planning process for project management. This time we're going to be speaking mostly about return on investment, something that's extremely important not only to the project manager, but perhaps even more important to the organization that the project manager works for. So right off the bat to start, Brian, how do you determine return on investment for a technology project before the project is started? Sure, sure. So typically there's some drivers ahead of ahead of that, right? So from a technology, it can be a business driver driving technology, it can be governmental, and it can be technology. Um, so there's three things that I always look for. So depending on what those three things are, depending on how I will address the ROI. But sake of argument, let's just go ahead with, if there's a business requirement that's driving a, a technical change. Um, typically what I'll do is I'll, I'll try to find, from a technology perspective, I'll try to find out what are the efficiencies, right? So it could be, my ROI could be based upon how, do, how I'm currently supporting my current system, right? Is there a do I have to have five people on staff, six people on staff, right? So that goes from a, uh, a more of a, uh, a budgetary, right? So by doing this project, you know, hey, implementing the software, I can get rid of this many people or I can use these people to do different things. So, uh, and there are some ways you can measure, um, you know, efficiencies with that. Hey, this person's not working on this, they're working on multiples. Uh, another way you can do before a project is from a technology perspective, you can say, hey, by implementing this software, I now have uh, one place to go to instead of three places to go to to get information. So I have now a uh, maybe a business uh, efficiency gain. I might have a, in which is also time, right? So another good example would be beforehand is says, hey, Brian, we would like to implement uh, 
this software to reduce the amount of time it takes to close our books financially every month. Still software, business related. I want to cut my closing my books from say 10 days to five days, right? So again, there's more efficiencies there, more efficiencies to your shareholders. Um, but the, the one that I use a lot, it's, uh, you know, it's just, hey, um, when I implement this software, I can reduce the amount of keystrokes and it takes me less time. And those are really good and easy way to, to, to put the ROI, you know, up front to say, hey, this is how we're going to measure it. We're going to say, uh, I go from 14 keystrokes or 14 screens down to two screens. I go from two hours down to one hour. And now I can actually get a fully loaded. What does that person cost? Fully loaded, that is. Not hourly rate, fully loaded. What do they pay? What does HR pay that person? And you, you see a lot of this too. Fully loaded, and that person fully loaded might be for, uh, say they're $14 an hour, but fully loaded with insurance laws up to $25 an hour. And now you can look at the amount of transactions, and then you can start doing the math, right? You can start saying this is how, how much more efficient they will be at doing their job. Hopefully that answers your question. It's a very long-winded, but technology goes many, many ways. No, without a doubt. And obviously it's going to differ depending on what the project is, but I think it's good for, you know, we're, we're looking for things that our audience can kind of key in on and going off of that really, especially before the project, one of the big reasons that you want to determine ROI is to get approval for the C-suite. So uh, obviously you just talked about a lot of key factors, but is there anything specifically when you're bringing it to key stakeholders or to the people that are going to approve the budget and approve the project? Is there anything you want to key in on return on investment wise? Yes. Uh, typically what I, I'm looking at, uh, whenever you're going to the C-level, the C-suite as you call it, uh, they're looking for you know, um, is, is this project strategic in nature, right? Um, the place of, the, of this investment, where is it going to be invested at? Um, and then once you have that, then you get into the types of analysis that should be conducted, right? So the first thing with the leadership is ROI is important, but the key thing is, is anything you're doing needs to be aligned with the strategic initiatives now. Some of those might not have an ROI. Some of them might have an ROI. But when I go for ROI, definitely, um, let me back up a little bit. Most of the time what I'll do is, and this is for IT projects and I've done in the past, is what I'll do is I'll set there towards the budget. When budget, right, it's time for budget season, right? Everybody crack open their books and look at all the numbers. And But what I did and I do is um, prior to, uh, say, a quarter or two months beforehand, I get in line with all my C-levels, all my VPs and so forth, and I interview them and I ask them, hey, what, what keeps you up at night? What are you challenged with? Uh, you know, uh, what do you see in next year, right? What do you see on the horizon? And typically what you'll do is you'll get a whole bunch of information, right? And, you'll, and from there, you can, you can start hobbling together, hey, this is what this person said they need, and this is the reason why. Uh, it, could be the, um, it could be the example I gave previous where I, hey, I have the same amount of headcount, but I'm still required to do this with more work. Um, so I would say first, let's make your strategically aligned. C-levels always want to make sure that that's done. They're not going to do something that doesn't align with their strategic in nature. I think that's anything you do when you provide them with ROI. It needs to be aligned with strategic in nature, whether it's the ROIs, um, if we're gonna we're gonna increase our revenue by 20 percent and this is how we're gonna get there right because now we're implementing the software that's SAS 70 compliant to go go to europe and europe now 
will allow us to grow by 8% a year for the next five years, right? Um, so those are strategic in nature. If you want to go to your leadership, that's what you need to go with, right? Something that's always, always, always on the um, strategic uh, vein. Do you always, do you take into account what the budget's going to be? Like, for example, would you say, let's say you're proposing a, a good, better, best uh potential for the the technology that you're going to install mm -hmm. but the roi from it is is will differ a little bit but is it just that you say okay here's what the return is going to be for each of these or do you yeah. take into account the budget as well so it's like okay here's the return but here's how much it's going to cost us and and you know what i mean yeah oh yeah of course so so you're looking at, at, at a short-term long-term so sometimes you're right you, you need to look over your roi your return on investment for five years right and that that's key, right? So what is what's the length of time? What's the length of time of my ROI? Uh, can we afford it, right? So that that's key uh, in the beginning as to understanding. Um, what's the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, basically, just it, it, where does budget play a role? And and yeah. uh, again, what you were saying, like length of time and everything like that. Like obviously, you can say, okay, our ROI is going to be we're going to increase profit by a hundred percent, but it's not going to happen for seven years. And budget wise we're going to go bankrupt in the interim. Well, there's not much ROI on that. So, yeah. so how do you sort of juggle all of those different factors when you're determining what the ROI could be? What, what I do is I make sure that I, I include my ROI into my overall budget um, for, for me. So ba basically how am I going to implement it, but how am I going to support it? And where are the savings at? That, you know, am I going to find in order to support it, right? What if my budget is the same and it doesn't move, right? So I need to show the the leadership that, Hey, I can do this. Pre I can I can do this project um, with this amount of money. Uh, the payback short term will be this, but also look at budgetary. I can get rid of this people and these people. I think it's always important to to have your you know business acumen number one, right? And understanding how it affects the budget. What's their operating expense? Making sure that you provide here's my capital, and here's my operating expense. The ROI is always going to be on the operational side, right? less keystrokes, um, overhead, right? How, overhead, how, you know, whatever it's, whether I need less inventory, just in time inventory. So I would always take the approach of your capital investment versus your operational ongoing expenses. And I've done a lot of that. In fact, most of my success has always been able to show them where they're at now with their budget and where they'll be at, you know, in the future. Obviously it's a win-win. We, we want to also, we want efficiencies. We want all these things, but if you can do it cheaper, right? Like reducing your cost of operating expenses even better, right? So not just paying for the project, but also efficiencies within the project. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more. Hopefully I answered your question on that one because it's not a silver bullet. Yeah, no, no. Very helpful though. And and uh, my next question is sort of going off of uh, your planning process for the ROI. Do Do stakeholders typically expect reports on ROI after the implementation, but during the planning process. So essentially what I'm asking is, do you address that and say, mm -hmm. like in the planning process, you say, okay, I'm going to give you ROI reports uh, at the as soon as implementation is done, six months later, 12 months later, and then two years later, so on and so forth? Or do they not even expect to get those reports after the fact? Yeah, it depends on the organization. I think a lot of them, um, if you can do it up front using say like a Six Sigma, right? Where you, it's, it's throughput you know, and the reduction of errors via throughput, via a project. 
then you can get that up front. Sometimes the bigger organizations that have, because remember, afterwards, now you have to have that same person also doing the follow-up. Uh, it really depends on the organization. Um, those who are, you know, top-notch will have a good PMO office or a good project manager will continue to follow up on that. A good CIO will also present that over time, maybe in quarterly, maybe you'll have to do it maybe quarterly or bi-yearly or yearly, depending on how much money. If you spent $20 million and that accounted for a lot of money for that company, they're betting on those efficiencies. So to me, it's how critical that is to the business in order to what it means. But I would say it's about 50-50. Usually, if I could show a trend over the first year, um, then it goes away. But if it's five years and it's very strategic in nature, then they're going to always want to see that. So I would say depending on the length of time and how strategic in nature it is, depending on how they want to see it. But usually okay. if, I could, if I could sell it up front, usually I, it's 50-50 it's whether they're going to ask. A lot of times it's just, of course, this is going to be, you know, save time. You yeah, know? sure. Uh, now, once the project is finished, let's move into after the project is is done and uh, essentially those reports, if you have to create them. How do you measure the ROI of the implementation after you've done the implementation? What differs from those calculations and, and, and the things you were thinking about, you know, when you were first planning the project? Yeah, I think the biggest risk you have to do with after the project is... Um, uh, history right so things change over time and processes change over time so my modeling sometimes i change when i when i say hey i'm going to measure it this way uh, but sometimes it becomes more complicated as other projects come online that might impact your roi um so that's you know that's one thing to look that to look out for right it's how um time money labor impacts how I do my uh, return on investment, especially something over five years. It, things do change over uh, over time. And uh, I think if you were to do it afterwards, uh, especially longer periods of time, you really need to understand what's the impact of your net present value calculation. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, people don't understand net present value tells you what the costs are in today's dollars, but you also need to be aware of future dollars, the net present value, net present value and future value okay uh does does your ability to accurately predict and measure roi help you get more projects approved in the future what kind of premium do uh you know do the stakeholders put on the fact that you can accurately or close to accurately measure how much a project is going to improve the organization yeah and, and again, I, I'll tell you from the beginning, if you evangelize this, evangelize this in front of you getting it approved, right, then basically the C-levels are, or, you know, you're, you're, are going to be on your side. Uh, you know, the backside, it's, that's, to me, that's secondary, is it getting it approved up front? So that's my answer to that. It, it's, I just think as long as you, if you do your work up front, you'll have support on the backside. And doing your ROI and getting all the information because a lot of times you're you're pulling information from from the business from the stakeholders right from those okay. organizations. Speaking of those stakeholders, you mentioned earlier on that a lot of what you do is figure out what are their pain points and and what you're going to basically how you're going to make things easier for them and that's really hard to quantify. So how do you how do you measure that after the fact? How do you go to the stakeholder and say okay? 
now I have, you know, it, it, can you say I've reduced your stress by 25% or something like that? You yeah. know what I mean? What, yeah. how, do you, how do you show them that you've, you've done what they wanted you to do? Yeah. So what I, the first thing as I do is um, I break it apart into hard savings and soft savings. The hard savings is what I'll do is I'll say, hey, by the way, here's what we, we almost immediately after we, do, we, we start the process, we start doing ROI. We start saying, hey, we said this is going to work, right? You know, is it working? Now, depending on how long it takes for the ROI to be um, present itself, say, for example, I might implement something, but it could be six months to eight months before I actually see anything, right? That's one thing. But you need to be even more uh, aware of, of those long-term risks, right, uh, as, you, as time goes on. Um, and, but but I, again, I'll start doing metrics immediately if I can and start showing them. Um, also, I think getting uh, getting your, I would say, leads to to basically provide the information to leadership, not me as the project manager, because I'm always going to be biased in some way. I try to get the people who are leads on the project to present that data for them, whatever that data might be. I might, you know, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, oh, we're able to do this, we're able to do that. Um, we can provide this information uh, uh, quicker. Um, we're more precise, precise on our inventory. Um, and then, so you have all those hard, you know, you can talk about, you know, we've been able to reduce our inventory, say, for example, by 50 million um, this time year over year. You can do that. And that's hard savings. You can see it right in front of you. The soft savings, which I think is, um, I'd say missed, it's, you know, it's how many times John has to go over down the hall to ask so-and-so a question, or how many meetings I had I have to get that information, or I had to talk to the vendor, or I had to, you know, so-and-so was on vacation and he couldn't do that, but he was the only guy who knew the code, right? Those are soft savings. But if you put enough soft savings in there, they be, then you could start digging into maybe putting some real hard savings around that. But definitely I would break it into two, hard and soft, and also have the people that were part of the team, not you, the person who's been telling the project manager the time, have somebody else present who's close to it, who understands it, who sees the benefit, right? And I think you, there's just, just kudos, right? You see, so you're sitting back and you're having them do it, present it for you. You can put the presentation together, you can help them, you talk to them, and you make sure it's, it's, it's truthful. Don't, don't ever put anything you cannot defend. You know, soft savings, it's easier. Hey, you know, so-and-so doesn't have to do this or that or that. You know, hard savings, you know, again, if the data's not there, don't show it. Don't extend and don't pretend these C-levels are smart. They'll see when you're, when, you're, when you're trying to grab for something that's really not there or it's not really uh, measurable. Maybe that helps. Hopefully that helps you out a little bit. I think absolutely. And, and kind of going off of that, I, I have one last question. And, and I really don't know what the answer is going to be, but... Ultimately, is there ever a time where a stakeholder comes to you and says, this is, you know, we want to improve this technology or we want to implement this project. You go ahead, you do the calculations and you determine that there really isn't enough of an ROI to have that project be successful. And you go back and say, you know, basically my suggestion is that we don't go through with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's called, that's called the pretty toy theory. Uh, yeah. No. It's yeah. I mean, you have a lot of these. Uh, I, I would agree. I've had been to some organizations where a person came from a much larger organization who wanted something, um, you know, CRM, uh, you know, for 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 uh, 
for sales, customer relationship management, and they wanted salesforce.com. I'll just throw that out there. And I looked at the budget, I looked at the ROI, I looked at long-term support and everything, and I just, it didn't make sense and how much it cost, right? So yeah, there's a lot of times you could say no, but I think it's key though, if you cannot say no, usually there's, there's I always ask, well, what's driving this, right? So I always go back to them, I'll say, no, it doesn't make sense unless you know something I don't know. But I think it's absolutely commendable to say no. No is not an option. Sometimes an option to leadership is do nothing. It's an option. It's an option nonetheless. Sure. Well, I, I think that that I, I think that that's really going to help a lot of our audience because you know your boss comes to you and, and says, "I want you to do this," and you look at the numbers and you're trying to make it work. And uh, and at the end of the day, I think uh, a, as you said, they'll appreciate it more if you say no up front than if you go through with the project and it ends up being a failure, right? Right. Absolutely. Right. And a lot of us, you know, we're looking uh, as project managers who've been in IT. Uh, let's say, for example, uh, the budget too. I know that my budget's going to be, on average, industry standard. It's IT budget is three percent of revenue. Okay, and that's my operational. That's keeping the lights on. And during high growth, I can go up. I can go up to seven percent, right? In high growth. So I'm always looking at, you know, okay, my operational costs will go up because we're growing over the next two or three years at say five or six percent. But yeah, I know that I'm going to have to bring it back down to three percent on year six. Right, because the growth is over. So it's looking at the financials and understanding how the C levels, these these the leadership folks look at look at their business. You know, they're not going to do it just to spend money. Um, you might have more luck. You know, and I'll, I'll I'll make this I'll make this statement. If you're in a startup, you have a lot you have a lot more freedom, right? Because you're just doing it because somebody says it needs to get done. We don't have it, and it's part of our strategic goals, right? Okay. Even if you can't make sense of it, it's startups are a little bit tougher because um, you are truly a startup. Um, but I still think a lot of the same same things apply. Yeah, well, uh, ultimately, I, I think that uh, I think we've gotten through a lot of information. I think important information. And I think it's really going to help our audience. Uh, Brian Payne, project management professional. Thank you so much for once again joining us and, and giving such great information. Absolute pleasure. Would love to come back again. Well, we'll have you. Thank you for listening to My Tech Decisions podcast. Here at Tech Decisions, it's our mission to help you do your job better. If you'd like to learn more, head over to www.mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. I'm your host, Jonathan Blackwood, Managing Editor of Tech Decisions, and you can find me at Blackwood Tweets. Thank you again for listening, and good luck with all of your installations and implementations.